The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good four days and counting morning to you, Birds fans. You got John McMullen and Jody McDonald, a.k.a. Mac and Mac, when you hear on Birds 365. You can almost feel it. And not there yet, but we're getting damn close. Uh, John McMullen got a chance to virtually chat with the Eagles coach yesterday, Nick Sirianni. And as expected, Johnny Mac, he wasn't very forthcoming, was he? <laughs> he never is. I mean, um, when you talk about personnel, he's just not going to say anything. So, I mean, I, I think Rube went after safety first. Then I just made a joke about the punters because he's not going to say. Um, it is what it is, but uh, competitive advantage. And he, you know, he believes there's an advantage, especially early in the season when people don't know what you're going to do and, uh, you know, but he said the Patriots have it as well with Bill O'Brien coming back, although he has a history from the past as well. So you can go by. These guys are ridiculous. Every single one of them. Not just Nick. Every single one right. of them. He's not, I, he's I, not the only one in the NFL no, who subscribes no. to this they're, theory. They're, you know, as the game has gotten more simpler, uh, it, it, it's gotten simpler because it's had to because of the we always talk about the lack of practice time. So you, you, you know, rightfully you boil things down. Um, and it, it's funny. They seem to have gotten more secretive as it's gotten simpler and, and it doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is at this point. Uh, one thing Sirianni wasn't afraid to talk about yesterday was his effusive praise and respect for Bill Belichick. It's the first time that he's ever coached against Belichick. 
uh, the Eagles as an organization certainly matched up against the Patriots plenty and some big games as in two Super Bowls. So uh, there's uh, certainly a familiarity between Eagle Nation and that Belichick guy. But uh, Nick seemed uh, pretty taken back by uh, going up against a coaching legend, a guy who some people think is the greatest coach of all time in the National Football League. Too much respect or just the right amount in your eyes? Um, I, I don't think it's too much. I don't, I don't think as a coach, I mean, yeah, as coaches, obviously in that profession, I mean, they have tremendous respect for Bill Belichick and they should, I mean, he, he, in my mind, you said maybe the greatest coach of all time in my mind, he is the greatest coach of all time. And I, and I know people will say Tom Brady and since Tom Brady has left. And I, I, I would say to those people, you don't understand coaching. If you want to criticize Bill Belichick, criticize him for the GM part of the job. Uh, because as Nick Sirianni will tell you, you know, show me a good coach. I'll show you good players. That, that, well, coaching's about a sliding scale. And the only way you could accurately grade everybody is to give them the exact same talent every year and see who would come out on top. And I guarantee it would be Bill Belichick. That's why he's the greatest coach of all time, because he's going to get out. He's going to get out of what he has a little bit more than anybody else. And that's what good coaching is. But it's always a sliding scale. And, yeah, you can say he hasn't been up to the snuff personnel wise in the post Brady era. That's that's a valid criticism. But people who criticize his coaching, they don't understand coaching. I mean, you kind of saw it. You, you saw the reverence, um, and the, and there should be. I mean, it's unbelievable from a coaching perspective. He has been that good, and all comes down to definition. The only guy I would put him in the conversation with is Vince Lombardi. And, again, that's before my time trying to compare the NFL in this millennium. Yeah, to- and the only reason I say he's the greatest is because in those, and you can go back in my wheelhouse is, is more of the Chuck Knowles and the Tom Landry's. And that's when I first started uh, following football. And, and the reason, whatever coach you like from that era, the reason I put Belichick ahead of him is because of the way free agency has changed the game. There's this constant turnover. Whereas those guys got these great teams together for a decade and they had, and they knew they were going to have those players. Um, and that's, to me, that's a little bit easier than having to do it and, and, and tweak it and, and do things year after year after year in the era of free agency. So that's why I put them a little bit above. It's almost apples and oranges to try and compare a free agent era and a non-free agent era coach. Cause they're, Two different jobs is basically what it comes down to. And Belichick has been great, but Lombardi was uh, phenomenal in his day as well. Speaking of coaching, will the Eagles actually, in your opinion, cash the dividend for the Matt Patricia hire this week? If we're going to give Belichick all this love and respect for everything he does, you don't think that he'd be dumb enough to just do things that he knows Matt Patricia knows about him and, tendencies that he has and the like it makes a lot of sense that you believe hiring a guy who is as close right-hand man to bill belichick as he was should be an advantage 
Don't you think Belichick knows that? If John McMahon and Jody McDonald know yeah. it, the Eagles know it. I'm thinking the best coach of all time also knows it. So yeah. how a dividend is it actually going to pay? Well, I, I think those things are overrated. A lot of people bring it up with players too. You know, if a player came over and, you know, because as you mentioned, they're aware of it too. It's not like they don't know. Um, so, you know, the, the tendencies and the, Nick talked about that a lot uh, uh, as well. Um, you know, they'll break it on purpose uh, to try to take advantage of, hey, Matt Patricia might say, we're going to do this in this instance, and uh, all of a sudden you switch it up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, it's about execution. And the Eagles have the better team, the more talent, and, and you know, that's kind of how they feel. And they're they're kind of haughty about it, and they should be because, you know, their process. We talk about with gimmick plays with Shane Steichen. It's not like I I think you'll see Shane Steichen throw out some gimmick plays in Indy because he has to. Here he was like, eh, I don't need to do that, <laughs> and you know, he's right. Um, Eagles have a good team. Eagles have the better team, um, and I don't think. Uh, Matt Patricia changes that dynamic all that much, uh, good or bad. If you're an Eagle fan, which we're thinking that 99% of the people watching us right now would fall into that category, you're believing that. You think that Matt Patricia is going to pay some kind of dividend. I hope he does. I hope there's something after the game that Nick – and Nick will do this every once in a while. We're both kind of giving him a hard time because he plays his cards so close to the vest before the game. After the game – Every once in a while, it'll be forthcoming, tell you something that uh, it rings true to you when you believe that when he says it, he means it. Um, I think he'll tell you after the game if there's something that Matt Patricia added to the preparation for this game that actually played itself out on the field. Um, We'll see if it plays that way on Sunday. Um, But your point about the Eagles being the better team, I certainly think so. Their roster is better. I don't know that the Patriots have gotten significantly better during this offseason. And they were an 8-9 football team last year. Even if Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, he was coaching an 8-9 roster. Do you see an improved roster for the Patriots this year, Johnny Mac? Um, No, not necessarily. Um, however, I, I will say that um, it, it's – you know, another year with Mac Jones. I, I, you know, it was interesting because, you know, he got some criticism, as you saw back with uh, Andy Reid back in the day with Juan Castillo doing some weird things on the coaching staff. Um, and now he's gotten back to a more traditional offensive bind in Bill O'Brien. Um, maybe that helps. I think the improvement probably is going to come within. The problem is, for the Patriots in my mind is the division. Uh, Their division is um, really good on paper, specifically for me. You know, I I think a motivated Aaron Rodgers is the most dangerous thing in the world. And Buffalo is really, really good. I'm not as high on Miami as some other people, but they're a good team. I'm not going to say they're bad. They're, they're a good team. Um, And, um, you know, they're they're number four, I think, from a talent perspective. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, 
look, I think he's going to try to do things a unique way offensively and maybe try to take advantage of, of, of what this league is doing as a whole. I always say I, I love those guys, Jody. Don't give me the copycats. Give me the give me the guys who are out in front. Um, and I always go back to, to Billy Bean in baseball. You know, when he was doing it, when he was Moneyball, he was the only one doing it. So he had the advantage. Then everybody does it. It becomes who does it best. Doesn't, you know. And then you need the next guy who's counting cards, so to speak. And maybe he's that guy. Um, I doubt it. Um, I I think the margin of error is too small to play that way in this league. Because, look, I could see them coming in with a great game plan because they always have a great game plan. And I could see things because of the energy of, of, of season opener, season opener, Tom Brady day, things going well for the first seven, eight minutes, getting some first downs, chewing up some clock, shortening the game. And maybe they even lead 10 to seven at some point and say, Oh, what's going on here? And then bang, bang, it's going to be big plays. Um, and, and then th- that margin of error, is is small when you try to play that way um and you know it could be one blown coverage as we always talk about with the big banjo defenses um you know bill's a little bit different from that but you see it all the time it's it's one one mistake and bang you got a big play because you have aj brown and Devontae smith and dallas goddard and jalen hurts and on and on and on and on i think Bill already tried to play that card last year when he had co-offensive coordinators, a defensive coordinator by trade, and a special teams guy in a former head Yeah, he's always trying. Right, and that didn't quite work out too well for him. So I I don't know that we have to be in fear of, oh, Belichick's going to have, and I think this is so tremendously overstated. Oh, Belichick will have a trick up his sleeve. Where were all the tricks last year when they went eight and nine? Guess what? They had an eight nine roster. They went eight nine because of it. So he he. Well, that's where, but that's where we'll slightly disagree. If you if he finishes, and that's kind of what I bring back to my original point about coaching. Probably didn't have an eight win roster. Probably had a six win roster, and he got it to eight wins. Um, That's that's where I think the coach comes in. But if you don't have the talent, you, you you can't win. You can't win at a high level. He's always going to win a little bit more than he should, uh, but you can't win at a high level unless you have talent. Talent is more important than coaching. Even in the NFL, where I think of the major sports, coaching means more in the NFL than any other major sport, but it's still about the players first. It's still way about the players first. Uh, than the coaches. No, they went 10 and 7 the year before. So they went backwards. They lost two more games than they did the year before that. I don't remember. That Brady guy had already gone by then. Uh, any significant decreases in the right guys up and leaving free agent. Oh, I don't want to be here if Tom's not here. They, 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 I, I won't say Belichick coached a five win talent team to eight victories last year. I don't know that that's the case. Uh, they still had some talent on that team. I just don't think he did a great job because. Maybe he overpushed the envelope with the I need to think outside the box thing and uh, the way he handled his offensive quite Well, yeah, I mean, I can't prove it. It's just always, you know, to me, you know, 
good coaches are going to get a little bit more out of what they have than mm-hmm. other coaches. That's so that kind of me, but that that's a sliding scale. That's what makes it difficult. I, I, you know, a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot, but many people are saying, well, Belichick's not that great because look what's gone on since Tom Brady. And I'm like, well, you know, you know, yeah. I mean, but guess what? Insert name isn't going to get six Super Bowls with Tom Brady. Probably not. Can I prove it? No, right. but that's my thought process. Uh, and uh, Brady will not be returning to the Patriots to play. He's going to be there Sunday. They're going to retire his jersey or whatever other ceremony they're going to have. However, they're going to laud him and praise him. Uh, and I do think that that could help to level the playing field in this game. Um, I, I tried to find it again last night. Uh, I still believe it's the most expensive ticket on the secondary market this week or for the entire season. Patriot fans just aren't giving up their tickets. They want to be there for Tom Brady Day. Those that are are asking an outrageous sum. I said this on WIP last night. The Eagle fan base, Eagle Nation, is as good as there is in the National Football League of traveling. We've seen examples over the last however many years since they won the Super Bowl 2017 going in and taking over other team stadiums, either getting more than 50% of the fannies in the seats or, if they didn't get it, sounding like they got more than 50% yeah. of the fannies in the seats. That's not happening on Sunday, John. Yeah. There's not going to be a massive eagle contingent of fans even after having a team that went to the Super Bowl the year before. No, I agree. Same thing happened. I was shocked. I remember talking about it. I was shocked at how few Eagles fans there were in Detroit last year for the season opener. And it was the same thing to even a lesser degree because I assumed, well, it's the Lions, they'll give up their tickets and there'll be a ton of Eagles fans there. But no, they were hyped up for week one. Um, and there were very few that could get in the building and it was loud. Um now that's indoor, obviously. Um, Foxborough, yeah. I I don't think you're going to see a lot of Eagles fans, even though that's a a, a, a shorter trip. Um, even though there would be, you know, you see Washington in years past. That's going to be more difficult. By the way, they sold out for the first time in forever. Uh, the Eagles would typically take over FedEx oh, Field. Yeah. The Eagles fans. Arizona, I remember last year it was unbelievable. Um, Arizona, it was like Philadelphia, uh, uh, West for the regular season game. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, when they, when they have an opportunity, they're going to take over the stadium. There's not going to be an opportunity. No. And I think the Patriots fans that will be holding onto their tickets will be as leather long as they can. Now, will it last the entire game? If the Eagles get up by two touchdowns, do you feel the buzz in the stadium uh, start to die off? Yeah, I think that could be the case. But I think at the beginning of the game, it's going to be a raucous crowd backing the Patriots. So that that when I was looking at schedule last night on the WIP, I said the NFL did the Eagles a favor by making their first five games winnable. They're going to be a favorite in every single one of them. Um, before they've got that tough midseason gauntlet they've got to get through. This was the one quasi-exception to the rule, because I'm would. i I'm glad they're playing the Patriots on the road, because I think they're a beatable team, and you want your road games to be less of a tough test if you can. So getting the Patriots on the road is fine. 
Even the first game of the season would have been fine for me if it hadn't been Tom Brady Day. I think that adds an element to it, and I think we'll give the, the crowd a little uh, bit of an oomph to go against the birds. So we'll uh, see come Sunday. All right. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. With That would make us Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Are you sure Mike Gill's back from vacation? I am. I checked. It was uh, stunning. Well, I had to go on his show yesterday. Oh, so, you did? Yeah. All right. So you so said talk, talk to you in the morning on Birds yeah. 365? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I booked him on air. I'm doing work did on you? air. Very good. Yeah. Hey, get it done any way you can. Uh, Mike Gill's been out the last couple of weeks. He, hey, we're not saying he doesn't deserve a vacation. It's not like we pay him a ton to come here on the show. So uh, we can't really complain about it, but we do uh, always enjoy having Mike Gill on, specifically since West Virginia got beat up by Penn State. I definitely <laughs> want to have Mike Gill on what the show. What was the final of that game, by the way? Do you remember? Oh, you know the whole, the, the backstory to the game, right? Uh, I do not. I okay. Uh, and we'll do this before Gil gets on here. Um, but he might already be listening. Penn State scored with five seconds left to go. To get, and they're already. Oh, up yeah. By, we were talking about that yesterday. Yeah. yeah uh, by double digit points. I took a call on CBS uh, that night about it. And so, do the coaches know the point spread? Why would the coach of Penn State score with five seconds left to go? And my response was the same as it always has been. In college football, the rules are there are no rules. Yeah. Because subjectivity comes into deciding who's got a chance to play for the champion. There are style points. There are beauty points. Margin of victory counts. And the NFL means nothing because you have standings and you have tiebreakers. So how impressively you win a game is irrelevant. It's either a win or a loss or a tie. In college football, that's different. So I had zero problem with James Franklin doing that. Yeah, some West Virginia people might. And Mike Gill might be one of them. We'll find out coming up next. Mike Gill from the Sports Bash down the shore comes back on his Wednesday spot here on Birds 365. passionately go fearlessly go confidently go, birds. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with first trust philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the philadelphia eagles we're focused on getting you over the goal line so go with conviction go with trust go, birds. and go forward with us by your side first trust bank the official bank of philadelphia dreams oh and go birds
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We're Mac and Mac on Birds 365 as the countdown is on. Only four days until the Eagles get there. I think the it's countdown easy. to Mike Gill is bigger. What the, uh, you know, now I got to text him on it. I got to do more business. Right. You there. did business on air by yeah. booking him yesterday. Now you have to do more business by texting and going, hey, you know, you got the link. You got to be able to. <laughs> I'm guess, yeah, there. I'm guessing this is a not up thing. Uh, I'm hoping, but we'll see. We'll uh, see. And uh, that means he's going to have to make a massive decision as soon as he gets that text. Oh, shoot. What T-shirt do I put on? Because we always quiz Gil with his choice of T-shirts as to who he's back. Got to go, gotta go uh, WVU. You got to stand up for your team. Man. Yeah, no that's shot. I, that, that, that's a run and hide move. Yeah, they got <laughs> Penn yeah. State, I, I don't think that's happening. All right, John, uh, I asked you about this. Shoot, it had to be sometime last week because I didn't know exactly when it was going to come down. It was made official yesterday about the captaincy for the Philadelphia Eagles. Depending on the team, the group, the way they do their business, being a captain can either be a big deal or it can be a non-existent deal. You got a better grasp of this with the Eagles. I remember you and I talking about it extensively about how moved and motivated Darius Slay was last year when he was named one of the captains. He had never been a captain before, and he felt it truly was an honor, and you guys got a chance to talk to him. You could could read how, how happy and proud he was that he had been named a captain. Well, he was named a captain again yesterday. They added a couple of captains. The John Nine, McMullen, baby. Nine, zero, nine captains. Yeah, pretty good number. Uh, zero through ten, zero being shut up it means nothing 10 meaning oh my god this decision could actually decide the eagle season how important is the choice of captains on a football team like the philadelphia one one i'll go one out of ten really uh, that little yeah. huh who cares uh who, who cares other than so you, you know, thought personal. darius light was an idiot for almost coming to no, i don't think he was an idiot uh, I, I no but i get why you know, he was almost moved to tears. Look, it's a vote from his teammates. So he was excited by his teammates. But as far as captaincy of a football team, look, who's the leader of a football team? It's the quarterback, right? If your quarterback isn't voted captain, uh, you got issues. Um, and that's happened in some cities, believe it uh, or it not. Happened this, Desmond right. Ritter is not the captain of the Atlanta. I mean, that's a bad sign. That's a very bad sign. Um 
So, you know, I, I look, I always say hockey and I'm not a hockey guy. It, it seems to be far more relevant in hockey. And, and by the way, Mike claims he's coming on. He did forget. So we'll see when he pops up. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, do you, I, I, I'll throw it back to you. Do you think it's relevant? Well, I, more, I mean, more, more than a one on a scale of zero to 10. Well, uh, what's nine out of 53? Uh, I mean, uh, the 10 out of 17, 18 yeah, percent between 15 and 20 percent. Uh, well, I mean, if it were one, like Derek Jeter, the captain, all right, maybe I'll put more stock into it. Nine, I said it with the one team had 10. Uh, I forget which team, and I was joking about it last week. There's nine captains. I, I, I mean, what is the relevancy of that? Well, I, I can tell you something that I thought was relevant. And, oh, I'll, I'll take off the entire listening audience here. Oh, they're all right. They're always ticked off. I'm going to question the Philadelphia Eagles. They put out a tweet yesterday with pictures of their captains in action, at attention, whatever, a, 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 a different uh, type of pictures of the individual's. And they put out the eight regular players for offense and defense, and they didn't include a picture of Jake Elliott in the tweet. Oh, they did. Poor Jake, man. Uh, you talk about how much do McMullen and McDonald have to talk about the fact that the Eagles don't even consider special teams as part of football. Yeah, that that's they're a treating good it like that. That's a good oh, eye. That's a good eye, Jerry. Yeah, go to Philadelphia Eagles Twitter. And you'll see the picture they put up of the eight captains. Well, they got nine. And somehow Jake Elliott didn't make the cut. How do you do that? How do you disrespect? The only strength of your special teams right now is Jake Elliott. So you're not going to put his picture up with the other captains? And by the way, he's he's a repeat captain. So, you know, uh, that's a bad job by the Eagles. That tells you how much I was paying attention to it. um, I'm trying I to pull it up to see now. It on Twitter and I said, all right, let's see how everybody, and I go, wait a minute, don't they have one more than that? So I had to go through them picture by picture and go, Big <laughs> Elliot. That's awesome. Choose not to put right. on- It's a good eye by you. Um, yeah, I, well, that tells you how important it is, I guess. Cause it's not like they, they don't have any pictures of Jake. He's been around for a while. Um, but, you know, the seven captains were repeats from last year, and the two new ones were A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. So I look at it. Now, obviously, there's guys like Kelsey and Fletch and Brandon and Lane uh, who've been here forever. You have the quarterback. Um, we mentioned Slay, uh, Jake Elliott. Who else are you going to name on special teams? What are you going to give it to the, the Josh Job? Uh, I, you know. But you know, all right. So I look at it this way: I, it, I, you got nine captains. Me, I go with the long snapper, but uh, this. Yeah. Well, you're probably right, but uh, all right. I'll use Rick Lobato as an example. Here's to me: when you're naming nine captains, where the hell's Dallas Goddard? Where the hell's Hassan Reddick? Where the hell's Rick Lobato? Uh, either either do it right, name an offensive captain, a defensive captain, a special teams captain. I'm okay with that. It doesn't have to be one guy, but it's got to be it for for it to be meaningful for me. That's what it would have to be, and then I put a little bit more credence. Maybe I'll get up to three on that one to ten scale. Um, but nine, 
Come on. Yeah, here's the problem. And I was actually happy for uh, both Brown and Smith for making it because they're major contributors to this football team. And uh, I think the reason the Eagles took the massive step that they took last year and Jason uh, Jalen Hurts took the massive step they took this year was what A.J. Brown was capable of coming in and doing on his lonesome. And then by doing that, kind of freeing up uh, Smith to be able to take his biggest step as he took. Well, that's uh, Eagles and throwing a football is the number one reason why this uh, birds team was so much improved from year to year on a uh, one year basis. I think they kind of deserved it. I think they earned it. So I had no problem with well, that. Let's go through that exercise, Jody. I'm going to force you to pick one. And Jake's special teams, obviously. Although maybe you want to go Rick Lobato. I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but give me one. I want one. I want a captain on the offense, the defense, and the special teams. Well, the, as much as I just sung the praises of A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, it, could it possibly be anybody other than the quarterback? I don't think so. It, it should be the quarterback to begin with, just because the position lends itself to being a captain. Then you had the fact that Jalen Hurts is the type of player that he is. The level of his play should help to dictate it. Oh, he's runner-up for the MVP. That that box is checked. And then you have to take the personality and the play. He is a natural-born leader and a guy who brings players together. So he does everything. So that, that's a given. I think you can make an argument on this team for Kelsey, but I agree with you. I agree with you. It should be Jalen Hurts. But Kelsey I only loses think... out because one guy's a center and one guy's a quarterback. Yeah, if, exactly. if they were of equivalent positions, now we'd have an argument. But because once the quarterback wants the center, yeah, the quarterback's going to win every single time. Uh, defense is tough. Who is the defensive leader of this team? If it's a D lineman, I think. The, the, it's such a situational substitution position anymore in the National Football League. And the Eagles, you know for a fact, they're going to do that. I would put Brandon Graham over Fletcher Cox, but I even have a question with Brandon Graham being the guy because he's not out there every single snap, the way that a Darius Slay is going to be out there every single snap. And Slay does take it very seriously. We talked about him getting a nod last year and how moved he was by it. But do I think he's a rallying the troops guy as a cornerback? That he's going to be the one who's going to motivate the Maybe other. Maybe want to go Nicobe Dean. <laughs> I will. I will tell you. I would not be shocked next year if Nicobe Dean is one of their captains. He's just not ready to be. How many snaps did he play last year, John? Thirty-four. Thirty-four Thirty. snaps. You can't take a guy who played. <laughs> excuse me. Thirty-four snaps the year before and make him your captain. This time next year, we might be talking about another captain added, and that would be now. Gill's having laptop issues. Here we go. Two minutes, he said. Here we go. We're going to get Mike Gill up soon. We can see if we get uh, Mike Gill added to the show. We'll see. Now he's going to get stripped of his captaincy on this show. Yeah, if he was a captain, he was under consideration for captaincy. That is now gone by the board. Uh, How disappointed are you that you've just been taken off the captain board, Gill? You're not getting a C on your jersey, on your T-shirt. <laughs> well, they gave You're out the 10 only yesterday. Yeah, nine. Well, that we're, we're talking about that. Now, I downplayed it more than Jody. I mean, to me, Mike, when you're talking about nine captains, doesn't that lessen the relevancy of the captaincy? 
I, I, who even recognizes the that they wear? Like, I guess now they do wear a C in football, yes, right? Like, they, yes. like it's a hockey sweater. Like, yeah. you know, like uh, for how many years did Flyers fans beg for the Flyers to strip Claude Giroux of the C? Can you imagine starting to hear that? Like, uh, they got to take the C off AJ Brown. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> yeah, I I just don't think it's relevant in football, other than if. And, and Jody pointed out Desmond Ritter. If your quarterback isn't a captain, you got problems. You got problems. Yeah. And, and it's like, I guess what's the, um, don't they have like, like the, uh, the, if they have like a players only meeting or something, isn't there some sort of like captains? Uh... Yeah. Leadership committee. There yeah. you go. The leader. By the way, it's not 10 deep, nine deep. It's not. Right, I was going to say, are the captains on the leadership that's funny. committee? That's funny. Yeah, you bring that up. No, they're not. Well, at least last year. I don't know what the leadership committee is this year. We'll have to ask Nick that. Well, what it does uh, show, obviously. Are you kidding me? Did you really just say that, John? You're going to ask Nick. You think he's going to tell you? No. I mean, but he he'll, never he'll, tells you anything. So he's going to tell you he's on the leadership committee? No, he, he, he tells me a lot, but he, he'll say it off the record. So I oh, can't okay. talk about it, but he'll admit it. And it's not, it wasn't nine deep last year um i don't think it's going to be nine deep this year but we'll see he'll yeah he'll he'll answer that question now not publicly off the record right we better hope they don't need their leadership committee um i don't think yeah i don't think they need it because they are they are deep with leaders generally if you if your leadership committee if if the only reason we know about a leadership committee is because the one year, you know, they need it to go to the leadership committee to like yeah. kind of bring the team back together. You hope that you don't have a situation with this season where you're going down that road where things are getting rocky, where you have to have. You know, I saw both uh, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon talk about this. They both said the good teams we've been around, they, you know, paraphrasing. Um, the the team takes over uh, from a leadership standpoint. The the locker room takes over, and they're talking yeah. about the Eagles, and they're talking about Kelsey and Cox and Graham and Johnson and Jalen. That's what happened here. So I don't think you have to worry about the Eagles' leadership at all, at all. But I don't I don't think it's because these guys are captains. They're just naturally well, and it's what we you know. Leaders. To, to kind of go down a different road a little bit, but this is what you and I talked about on my show yesterday, John, is when you look at this season, that's the one concern you have, not leadership, not talent, is you've got a bunch of guys who have been here for so long, which means what? You've got some some older guys on this team yeah. who made it through the season healthy last year. A long and, season. Yeah. Right. How many of those guys are going to make it through another 17 games being counted on as much as they are that to me, entering Sunday, the fact that they've made it to the finish line with really no injury issues uh, from training camp. But now that the clock starts, how many of these guys that they're counting on are going to make it through 17 weeks? And I'm looking at. And it ain't know, even, it's not even 17, Mike. It's 20. 20 is the goal again. So you got to go back to back 20. True. Which, I mean that's that's difficult, especially and it's, and it's key guy. I mean it's Bradbury, it's Slay, it's Brandon Graham, it's Fletcher Cox, it's Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. And if you look at 
the offensive line, I don't know that the depth nearly as comfortable as you thought, as you hoped, or, or as much as last year. Uh, on the outside, if Bradbury or Slay go down, boy, you, you've got some unknowns out there. I think if Fletcher Cox got hurt at Brandon Graham, you may be okay, but those guys are pretty important. Still. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was going to go with you. Thanks for uh, taking the conversation there. For me, there's no question there. If the two veteran guys on a defensive line go down, they get replaced. The Eagles have enough depth there that you're not going to go, oh, my God, no Fletcher Cox, no effing shot. No, someone else will step in and get yeah. the job done. Um, but the comparison between the two veterans on the offensive line is compared to the two corners. Which is the greater drop-off? Well, yeah, I, you're going to move Jurgens to center. Okay, fine. Now you got to get yourself a new uh, right tackle. And if Lane Johnson goes out, you talk about the best guy at his position. Slay isn't the best cornerback in the NFL. Bradbury isn't the best cornerback in the NFL. Johnson is the best right tackle in the NFL. Good luck replacing anybody who's the best at his position, which would be the bigger hardship very, on the offensive line or the cornerback position. It's very fair, Jody, but I, I would have to say the, the corners because really? they're so I unknown. I mean, at least Driscoll has started games at right tackle yeah. in his career. I, I had- agree. I agree with you, Mike, because for this reason, um, we know the Eagles can't win without Lane Johnson. We've seen it. Um, but even so, like Jack Driscoll is far more proven than Josh Job. Right. I mean, I, I, they have guys who have actually played that position at this level. You throw Josh Job in there for four, five, six week span, you're going to have teams probably firing the ball. It's going to be like the, the air raid to that side of the field uh, until he proves otherwise. And quite frankly, you know, like you said, Jurgen, if Jason Kelsey, God forbid, got hurt, Jurgens has played there. Driscoll's also played right guard. So he yeah, Driscoll have, can't play both. No, but you didn't. We're not talking about three guys going down at the same time. I'm just saying no, two, two corners, two offensive linemen, the veterans. You guys brought up the veteran. Oh my God, Mike Gill says they're getting old because they've got yeah. guys who are actually 30 years old. Well, I'll tell you right now, I would take my chances replacing. Slay and Bradbury over. I'm going to be without Lane Johnson or. Uh, Jake well, Johnson. I don't want to. Kelsey be is the both. number one this center is. in football. Lane Johnson is the number right, number yeah. one right tackle. Do you have put Bradbury or Slay at the top of the the corner list in the National Football no, League? But what that uh, that group, I I would slightly disagree. I think Creed Humphrey's the best center, but Jason's in the conversation. Um, Lane, yeah, I would say it's the best right tackle. And I agree, Slay, Bradbury, are not the conversation to be the best corners. But to me, it's the bank. Look, Cam Jurgens is playing center. Jason Kelsey goes down. Jack Driscoll's playing right tackle. Then you got to figure out right guard. You got a third round pick. Um, at least there's some talent there. Um, now I'd take my with, chance with Josh Job over Tyler Steen right now. But you're also you 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 now we're also saying if Josh Job is replacing one, who's replacing? Yeah, the who's other? replacing it? Then you got then you're down to Ringo or Ricks. Uh, Good I mean, Rich. If you, if you think if you think Anthony Brown throwing a pick six in the fourth quarter of a preseason game in Baltimore is going to be evident uh, of what's going to happen in a regular season game, I don't want Ringo or Ricks near the field this season near it uh, yeah. on 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 defense especially yeah I, I don't know that it's more 
I don't know that it's more the level of talent of who went out. It's the level of talent yes, of who's replacing. Exactly. I, I that. think the offensive linemen. Just, we just flat out look at it differently. Yeah. I think you got to look at it more of how great a player are you attempting to replace at that position. I'll put more of an emphasis on how good the guy who's starting being subtracted is rather than the guy who is being plugged in for him with uh, basically no experience. Yeah, I mean, we just look at. I look at who's playing, right? Yeah, and I think you can be comp. You'll be competent at the. I think you'll be better than competent at center because I think Cam Jurgens is a good football player. I think you're not Kelsey, but I think he's he'd be above average center in this league, um, right away. And I think you're competent with Jack Driscoll. I don't think you're competent anywhere, Josh Job. Maybe down the road, maybe two, three years down the road, these guys turn into something. But right now, I don't, I don't even think you would be competent at those positions. That's why uh, I would lean towards, um, yeah, I would lean towards having a better chance on the offensive line than. Cornwall. And here's the other reason why, why, and again, the the level of the player to me, it's drop off. You know you're going to be not as good if you lose one of your stuff. Where is the bigger drop-off? I would say the bigger drop-off is on the offensive line as compared to cornerback. And the other thing you, you got to bring into play, now they'll kill me on the stream for this one, maybe that offensive lineman gets your quarterback hurt. If he's not up to speed and not ready to go and Jalen Hurts gets blindsided and gets shoulder slammed into the turf and, we, and it's more than just two weeks at a time, yeah, no, I don't want to even think about the possibility of that happening. That's why. Well, I'll these are all not yeah. good thoughts, Joe. No, what hey, are, to being honest, right. they got to be no. honest if you're going to do oh, a show listen, like this. They're 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 not ideal thoughts, but to me, if like if I'm trying to find, I asked John this question yesterday. Yet last year, when we entered this season, the number one, without a doubt, question was, "What is Jalen Hurts? Who is he going to be? Is he your quarterback? Am I going to have to draft a guy? Am I going to have to trade for a guy?" He answered those questions, and that question is now sealed. You've got your quarterback. So now, entering this season, what is that unanswerable question entering this season? I don't know that there is a definitive one. The concern for me in this season is, can I get through another season? I was very healthy last year. Can I get through another season with the same core of guys? Can I get them through healthy again? To me, that is – and it's an unanswerable question because injuries just happen. No. You don't know when. You can't no. say, okay, I know I have till week five before somebody goes down. May happen, may not. Right. The other stuff, I don't yeah. know. Is there, an, is there a question that I'm missing that is so big that you need to find out that will impact this season like last season? I don't know that there is. Yeah. And to me, to get back to the original thought, which you, you, you obviously want everybody to be healthy, and it's going to be an issue for both. But to me, I would say, if you can, and it's very hard to do this, but if you can pretend that Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey and Darius Slay and uh, James Bradbury don't exist and say, all right, the only thing I have is Cam Jurgens and Jack Driscoll and Josh Job and Calais Ringo. Of those four, who are you most confident in from one to four? 
Who's who are you right, most that, confident? That, that's not the question we're asking here. That's a separate question. But if that's why losing, I say if you're losing those four players, where are you going to feel the pit? Where's the biggest drop off? You know, you believe you know what level they're going to be able to play to. One on the defensive, one on the offensive side. That's the question the Eagles have to answer. Not can you rank these four players in their ability to? Well, no, because your your original point: where, where would they be worse off? I'm saying if you have competency, you can't be worse off than not competency. Even if the drop off, even if you think the drop off is greater, they have competency in Cam Jurgens at the bare minimum. Like I said, I think Cam's a good player. Yeah, but Jer- you're not talking about Jurgens. Jurgens is moving to center. It's uh, the the right guard position and the right tackle position. That's what you'd have to fill. And yeah, just- and yeah, you have competency in Jack Driscoll. And again, at least some upside in Tyler Steen. In so you don't think Job has any upside? I, I don't think he has the upside of Tyler. Job's got Steen. a year under his belt in the NFL. Tyler Steen's got a couple snaps in preseason. Well, the pedigree isn't everything, but one was a third round pick and one was undrafted. I mean, that tells you what the league thinks uh, right off the bat. Now, the league gets stuff wrong all the time. There's undrafted kids in the Hall of Fame. But I, I, I do know that uh, un, undrafted players eventually getting into the Hall of Fame. So but if you're playing the what odds. What the hell are they doing with Reed Blankenship as the only safety <clears throat> that they'll actually acknowledge is well, starting yeah, I mean, He was undrafted. How the hell can we know what the hell he's going to be able to do? Well, again, but again, you can always, I can bring up John Randall. All right. He's in the Hall of Fame. But you're a gambling guy, Jody. Yep. If you're playing the odds. If you're playing the odds, you're not betting on the undrafted guy. So yeah, I am. Oh, to, absolutely, to, I am. Here's the here's the odds. What do you mean you are, John? I'll try and explain it slowly. One was in the NFL last year. One wasn't in the NFL this year. That that to me outweighs where you were drafted, where the Eagles decided to take you in the draft. What do I think is more important? A year experience and playing in the NFL instead of never having played a down that counted in the NFL. That's how I would look at it. But I'm talking long term, but go ahead, Mike. No, I'm, well, we're, we're I mean, under that the premise. The conversation we're having is about replacing the guy if they go out and get injured. Yeah, but under that premise, you're saying that you yeah. would take a guy who was drafted in the sixth round, has yeah, no shot yeah, of I playing mean, over of the first pick of the draft because yeah. he's never actually stepped on an NFL field. That's preposterous. Yeah, that's that you're 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 taking an outlier, and 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 that's why I said I'm playing the odds here and saying you know pedigree tends to matter in the NFL. Now there's you can you can point out first round failures all the time. You can point out certainly third round failures, but I can pull out a hell of a lot of undrafted failures. Right. And, well, and those also, guys are the outliers. There's also reasons why guys who get drafted high in the first round stick and they and they bounce around from team to team to team. Hey, there's that guy who was the fifth pick of the draft. He's horrible, but some team is always willing to say. I'm going to give that guy another shot. I'm the team that can get something out of him. You don't see undrafted guys bouncing around the league from team yeah, to by team. By the way, Jalen Rager's going to be in Foxborough. I don't know if he's going to be active. Jalen Rager, there you go. Just because he played in the NFL, do you want him getting snaps over somebody who just got drafted this year? 
Uh, now, in that case, probably not, but, uh, you know, because he's proven in two different spots. But, you know, he'll get another opportunity. And by the way, he's on a team now that has no receivers. So, you know, they're probably thinking, well, he's got some talent. You never know. As to your point, Mike, people are going to give those people um, chance after chance after chance because they have that baseline skill, that baseline, those baseline traits that other guys don't have. But the bottom line here well, is the Eagles can afford to lose any of those. Right. Four the one thing with Josh Job, yes, he was here last year, but he never had a play because they made it through the season healthy. They how never had. Is, a- how many plays has Tyler Steen played? None. Zero. Zero. Okay. Well, then, then he's added Tyler Steen at least. Well, a lot of people want Sidney Brown to start week one. He's never played it down, but he might be the best option. I mean, certainly from a talent perspective, he's the best option. Now, well, that's the question. Would you play, rather Sidney Brown? Would you rather Sidney Brown play or Terrell Edmonds, Justin Evans? Are you more of a fan of that duo getting the playing time, or would you rather just say throw Sidney Brown out there? He's got the highest upside. I, I I'm might Sydney be Brown to take a chance because I've been critical of the Eagles and it was more Gannon than anybody else last year for the fact that they didn't get the Kobe Dean on the field. And I thought that was shameful. Um, but didn't on the Eagles depth chart and uh, borderline laughable, the Eagles depth chart, they have no punter listed. They have no punt returner listed. They have excess safeties. They got uh, the blanket chip and the two veteran guys, the only guy they didn't list as a starting safety. They've got actually about 14 starters or 15 starters on defense is Brown, which tells you, yeah, they're not going to rush him. I think that was a, a moment of truth from the Eagles yesterday. They're going to bring Sidney Brown along slowly, whether we like it or not. Now, should the Falcons start Tyler Algier over Bijan Robinson because he has more experience? I would say no, but that's me. Uh, nor would I. <laughs> and and oh by the way, there's one more thing that people get nuts about. Ooh, who's starting? If one guy starts and plays 20 snaps, and another guy comes off the bench and plays 40 snaps, what's more important? Who actually took the first sure. snap of the game or Absolutely. who takes more snaps yeah. over the course of the game? I would argue the best uh Philadelphia team I've ever seen, and I still say this to this day is the 1982-83 Sixers and the starter at uh, power forward back when they had positions in basketball was Mark Ivoroni. Yep. The finisher was Bobby Jones, who's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, and that's more important. The guy who plays more is more important than the guy who starts. Well, when you're talking about Sidney Brown versus Terrell Edmonds, Justin Evans, that typically, typically in the NFL is a non-rotational position. Now, it could be different. Like you could say Jalen Carter's not a starter, but he might end up getting more reps than anybody else by the end of the season. To me, that's more meaningful. Mm-hmm. At safety, not a rotational position. And if you're rotating, that tells me you're not confident in anybody. So it, it depends on position as well. Yeah. I, and, and not, we were talking about the fact that, you know, the preseason, you used to see a series, a half, something. These guys got to training camp. 
never saw them again, and you're going to unveil this team for the first time on Sunday with certain guys who no one's ever seen before. I mean, how many snaps did the Edmonds-Justin Evans duo get in preseason games where you're like, okay, I feel pretty confident and comfortable about what they could do based on yada, yada. nothing. There's been not enough of anybody who's going to play on Sunday that, that anybody has a that you didn't know about, that you found something out about. Now, John, you got to see these guys a little bit more than than, than the, the viewers. Yeah. Well, like have. Reed. I mean, Reed, you haven't seen at all. You know, cause, exactly. You know, but he's, you know, taken over that spot. But, yeah, I don't I, – I, you know, one of my things, I think I mentioned this on your show, Mike, so I'll throw it out to both of you guys. Like, there is an eerie calmness – about three particular players, um, Nicobe Dean, Reed Blankenship on defense and offense. I'm not even going to boil it down to one player, Kenny Gainwell and or I'll do the Eagles uh, depth chart and or DeAndre Swift and or Rashad Penny. There's an eerie calmness in those three areas that I do not share with most of the fan base. Like, I think um, Nicobe's going to be a good player. I think Reed's going to be fine. I think Kenny Gainwell's going to be fine. I think he's going to be the guy, at least in high leverage situations. But I'm not emphatically saying, oh, no problems whatsoever. I think Miles was better. Um, I think TJ is going to be better, at least short term, than Nicobe, maybe not long term. And there's no question C.J. Gardner-Johnson's better than Reed Blankenship. I'm sorry. There's no stinking question. That's not even close. All right, so let's then let's do the exact same exercise here that we did at the other two positions. Where do you think the drop-off from what you got as far as production goes and what would you would project to be the production this year would be, where's the biggest drop-off, running back, linebacker, safety? Oh man, I don't think it's running back. I think the running back, the you know, it, by the nature of the position, it goes back to the conversation. You might have a stud running back. You let him go. You plug someone else in, and they generally will give you enough production that it's not an albatross of, of, of a spot. The safety spot, I definitely have. I think the most concern uh, to, to say that Reed Blankenship is now leading the core. That gave you, and that's what I look at, the production you got. You had a guy that led the league in interceptions last year. And missed five games, by the way. And missed five games. Who's replacing that level of play? That's five turnovers. That's pretty big. I mean, um, to me, trying to replicate what you got from your safeties last year is going to be the most difficult thing because I think you'll replicate what you got from Sanders production-wise. I don't know that they're better players. But I think you'll get 1,200 yards out of your running backs. Uh, I like Nicobe Dean a lot. I think he'll be an impactful player. Um, the linebackers last year as a core or as a unit, I think, were probably more sound. But I definitely think the drop-off in, in what you got, big plays. And look, Epps was just a solid player too. I mean, he was one of those guys. He, he wasn't spectacular, yeah. but he made his plays. He did his job. 
I think you'll get Reed Blankenship making his plays and doing his job, but what's the other guy going to do? Is he going to get six interceptions? Probably yeah. not. So I, I go I go safety as the bigger one. So do I. Yeah, but here's how I – you know, what's interesting because I think they could be more splashy at linebacker but not as steady, and I think they could be more steady at safety but not nearly as splashy. That's how I look at it. Um, uh, I, I think Reed is going to be a steady player, but he's not going to be a playmaker like CJ was. But guess what? CJ made m- some mistakes because he yeah. was making plays out there. So what do you value more, the steadiness or the playmaking? I would argue it's like a home run hitter in baseball. Give me the three-run homer over the guy going three for four with three singles and maybe stealing the base, but he's not impacting the game. That's where I think CJ. So I, ultimately, I agree with you guys. Safety is the bigger issue. All right. I'm going to get you on the record here, Mr. Gill, before we beat up on you for West Virginia, getting scored on with five seconds to go by Penn State. Um, which coordinator will you feel you know more about after the game on Sunday? Because right now, I'm like this with both the offensive coordinator and the defense. I got to see it with my own eyes. We saw what little they did in preseason. John got a first-hand look at the joint practices, which told you more than the preseason game, but I don't think it told you a ton. We'll learn a lot, maybe not at all, but we'll learn a lot about the two coordinators and how they handled their business this week. Who are you going to learn more about? The offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator? Brian Johnson. I mean, you're going up against Bill Belichick in your first game as a coordinator. You're going to go against one of the masters of saying, hey, whatever you think you do best, we're taking that away from you. Figure something else out. Um, So it'll be interesting to see in this first week, the first opportunity he gets, if Belichick takes A.J. Brown completely out of the game and says, he's not beating us this week, figure something else out. Does he say, nope, I'm going to A.J. Brown, whether you like it or not, and try to force things that way. Now, I don't know that that's the game plan or whatever, or if that's what Belichick's taking away, just giving an example. So I think Brian Johnson, right off the bat, he's got to go against Bill Belichick. That'll be something there. On the other side of the ball, uh, Shane Stike, excuse me, uh, Sean Desai, the Patriots' offense is pretty limited. I mean, the quarterback's average Uh, They don't have a lot of talent on the outside. Uh, They don't have a – I mean, Stevenson's all right. Um, Their offensive line is in shambles. Uh, They got some problems on the offensive line over there. So I don't know – I mean, the Eagles could have a big day defensively. Desai's going to be a hero in this town because the other guy was hated so much. So I think we'll learn more about Johnson than Desai. Desai will end up being like (laughs) – He will be overly praised based on the performance if they have a big performance on Sunday. Uh, but the Patriots, I think the biggest problem with New England is their offensive line's a mess. Yeah, Riley Reed goes to IR yesterday. They go out, spend $5 million on a free agent, and the guy ends up on IR. Uh, I know the head coach of the Eagles hates when you use the word luck but your guy gets hurt in the last preseason game and he's got to go to the IR, that's some bad luck. Well, and look, the strength of the Eagles defense, regardless of is the, the up front. I mean, they're just going to keep rolling guys at you. And if you are ill-equipped to block up front, you're in for a, a tough day at the office. And this is where, you know, the stuff like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he made a lot of plays. Well, these guys get opportunities because the pass rush was so fierce last year. 
can these guys who are not known for stuff, you know, Reed Blankenship, can he can he get an interception? Of course he can. But is he intercepted going- Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> he did intercept Aaron Rodgers, right place, right time. Yeah. But part of those things come from the pressure up front. If the Eagles' pressure is so fierce, like they hope, well, that opens the door for guys to to make more plays. You and the thing is, you got to be there to make the play, and you got to make the play when it's you know presented to you. Um, and, and that's where I think the Eagles on Sunday will have a Sean Desai's unit will have a big advantage is up front. All right, Mike Gill, where were you watching when Penn State scored a touchdown with five seconds to go against West Virginia opening week? I was at my house. I was I was resigned to the fact that we were not going to – look, they are uh, significantly more advanced than where we are right now, um, but uh, kind of a, a, a – Low brow move by the by the we are's. Got style points. You got to get style points in college. It's absolutely yeah. acceptable in college football to uh, worry about margin of victory. And actually, at Penn State, what was the final? 38, 17, 38, something like that. 14, something like that. Yeah, 17, maybe. If, they, if, if Penn State beats West Virginia 31 14, it's not that impressive, to be honest. Well, that's what I said. I left the game saying I didn't look at Penn State like, whoa. This team is yeah. going to be, you know, I like the quarterback that they finally got a kid to make a play. Uh, you know, he could throw. He's got a big arm. I, he made some plays for him. I thought he bailed them out of a couple situations uh, because their offensive line had some problems up front with West Virginia. But it was West Virginia's offense is just dreadful, dreadful. Neil Brown is in way over his head. 31-15 became 38-15. So there's your final score. And, yeah, they they kind of needed that extra touchdown. So good job, James Franklin. And if you get the stick, Mike Gill of the eye, that's not bad. <laughs> uh, what T-shirt we got on before we let you go? Well, I got stripped of my captaincy, so I got stripped of all my letters uh, because yeah, I was just, just a little Nike swoosh up there in the corner. All right. I've been at all Mike Gill's show. Follow him on, on X, not Twitter, X. and uh, Is it officially now X? Yeah. Especially now, X. Uh, yeah, you know like how you know it's X because you can't retweet anymore. You must repost. Repost. If you see yes. something you like and you want to share it with uh, your followers, you repost it, not retweet yeah. it. So they it's really not. Are... I guess technically, it's not a tweet anymore. Just an original. I don't know what you call your original posting. Now you got to say, "Oh, I posted something on X instead of I tweeted something." Although the website like is still Twitter.com. Is it? I don't know. I think it's x.com. I think it is. Um, well, if you put in I think Twitter. It, I, I, it both. Both work. Both. Work. Right. If you put in Twitter.com, you're still going to yeah. get there. Yeah. They're not that stupid. Did the other platform make it? Is it still going? No, Threads? it's still going, but I don't. I don't. Well, what what the hell it. was that? I didn't do that. Threads. 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 Yeah, I never I was did. Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's answer the to Threads uh, Road. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Don't think I missed out on that one. Yeah, since I was on vacation for two weeks, I blanked out, so I went with the blank shirt. There we nice. go. Blank but I will be back. I will be back All to right, the, we're uh, gonna put the C back on your starting next yeah. week. You know, right. Mikey Gill, thank you much. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday. That's Mike Gill from the Sports Bash, ESPN Radio. Down Thanks, Mike. Ninety-three point. Uh, By the way, I I, I I disagree with Mike Jody. I'm I'm. We're going to learn more about Sean Desai than Brian Johnson. I think all season we're going. Brian, nothing against Brian. I think Brian's a really good coach. But my God, that offense is talented. 
Take away A.J. Brown. I don't care. I'll just throw it to Devontae. Take away Devontae. I'll just throw it to Dallas. I got the quarterback. I got the offensive line. Brian Johnson's walking into a great situation. Now, to what you know how much respect I had for Shane Steichen. In the moment, could there be a, a questionable play call? Yeah, but they're so good offensively. Defensively, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to figure out some things. Uh, the front is tremendous, but other than that, yeah, in the, in the corners. See, maybe, maybe we're looking at this differently because I didn't ask my question well enough. I'm not saying who do I think has a tougher job or who's going to. No, I'm just talking about reveal themselves as to what their ongoing philosophy is going to be and what we can look forward to in trying to see what the Eagles are going to do over the next 15, uh, 16 games. Not who's going to actually do a better job. You're right. Sean decides got more heavy lifting to do because the Eagles defense isn't as good as the Eagles offense. Eagles offense is one of the best in the uh, National Football League. And statistically, we know how good the Eagles were last year, but they lost guys. And McDonald and McMullen and Gill are debating what happens if Josh, God forbid, Josh Job gets on the field. That could freaking happen. It could happen in the second quarter of the game on Sunday against the Patriots. If uh, the Eagles take a hit, they, they, they think the offense will be fine. They'll be able to get over uh, injuries. So uh, that, that, that was the way I asked the question. But if your point is, you'd rather, if, you, if you were given a choice, say, do you want to coach the offense or the defense? Johnny Mack would say, I'll take the offense. I'm well, look good no, no, no. I, I get it's both for me. I mean, yeah, it's easier for Brian because, uh, um, but it's both. I think we're going to see more because, you know, it's Nick, it's Nick's offense. They're doing the same stuff. Uh, they're not changing on offense. I don't think they're changing much on defense, but they're changing personnel. Um, and I think that's going to be, and I think we're going to learn more about Sean Desai because there's more to learn basically like, that that offense is that offense, whether it's Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, Brian Johnson, Kevin Petullo, same stinking offense, and they have the same players for the most part. Miles gone, Isaac Sayamalo. Defensively, five new starters. Major changes, yep. Two new coaches besides the coordinator, so three new coaches, so a lot of changes. But I will say this, uh, just from the – I don't want to say untrained, but from the casual fan's eye, it's easier to second guess the offense coordinator than it is the defense coordinator. Although they've made it. <laughs> well, not, not in Not this down. Not true. That's true. But yeah. play calling is play calling. Uh, yeah. You you can watch a play afterwards and say it was successful or it's not successful. You can watch a defensive yeah. play and go, I oh, love. You I don't said. know exactly how he laid it out and who was supposed to do what and who filled their responsibilities. It's it's easier as just a casual fan to judge. Yeah. If play I used to have great is... conversations with Doug Peterson about play calling, which I I a hundred percent agree with him. He's not the only one, but he, people don't judge play calls; they judge they play, play results. judge results. Of yeah. course, that's yeah. what that's because the point I'm Doug, trying to make it's much easier to judge results yeah. of an offensive play than a because, defensive play. Because Doug would admit, but here's the, Doug would admit, like sometimes the players save my. Yes, and you'll be in you know, a bad... they make a play. I made I made a bad call in this situation. They made a play, or there's certain other situations where 
coach has the perfect play on perfect play and the left guard misses a block and it gets blown up and you never know it. So I, I think a lot of people don't recognize that they're not judging play calls. They're judging play results. That's my only. Uh, He's McMullen. I'm McDonald. That makes us Mac and Mac Brights 365. Quickie timeout. Come back. We'll set up our next guest. We're going up to Beantown. Uh, We like to go behind the enemy lines uh, when the Eagles have a specific opponent. Got a buddy of mine from Boston who's going to jump in and do us a Patriots preview coming up here on Birds 365. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Guys, here on Birds 365, countdown is on to game one. Patriots-Eagles in Foxborough on Sunday. 
Adam Kaufman, the sports director for iHeartRadio, WBZ in Boston, is going to jump in with us here in just about five minutes. Also does a podcast called The Gambler, uh, does some work for DraftKings up there in Boston. So I'm going to, before we get Adam on it, I may reprise the question for him. I'm going to ask you, Johnny Mac, over under, I'm setting it at one and a half for the Eagle game against the Patriots on Sunday. Tush pushes by the Philadelphia Eagles. I can't remember the last time we discussed Tush pushes. Oh, it's the only man, thing man. we discussed. Well, for I was a hoping days the NFL. The I, w- I was hoping the NFL would ban it, so I didn't have to discuss it anymore. Uh, I, you know, I agreed with you. And, and I get it. Again, do we want to have the whole conversation? Again? I'm, it's I'm in. Go. It's in. It's in. Whether you like it or not, whether I like it, whether it's aesthetically yeah, pleasing, I'm, I'm, whether it's I'm, truly football. I'm, whether it's rugby on steroids or whatever, let's put that all aside. All I need from Johnny Mac is under, over, one and a half over. push pushes. Over, over. Because I mean, they're going to use it. My whole, my, my larger point, you know, because people don't listen, so they don't understand. The Eagles are getting the quarterback sneak anyway. So I think if they if they banned it, it would have been an advantage for the Eagles. I think right. other teams are going to copy it now. I agree and with you. they're going to have less quarterbacks inclined to get it in the in the original sneak, and now they'll it'll be easier for them. The Eagles are getting it anyway with Jalen, so I think the push tush is a lot of uh, um, um, histrionics from the Eagles' standpoint because they don't need it. Um, and I I think you know it's counterintuitive, but I think then banning it would have actually helped the Eagles. I I agree that other teams could potentially do it to them this year because they got a quarterback who uh, is more helped by the push from behind. Jalen Hurts uh, doesn't rightfully need it. And the other reason why I think you're dead on about uh, going over the one and a half, I, I thought about setting it at two and a half to maybe make you think a little bit. Um, Who's the Eagles punter again? Oh, that's right. They put out the, the, the depth chart yesterday, and they left that P line completely blank. They don't have a punter as of right now on their 53-man no, roster. They will have a punter. <laughs> I guarantee you. There's somebody. It, it, and at this stage, it's got to be Sippus, right? Um, well, they moved up practice to 1045 today because of the heat. Um and uh, so we'll know by about uh, 1040, I would say, um, they will announce if they're going to make any roster moves, they will announce them before practice, right before practice is typically the Eagles way of doing things. Um, and if they sign a punter, you'll know if they don't sign a punter, you'll know because it'll be Aaron Cepos being elevated on on game day so either way you're going to to know and if they do not uh sign someone from outside the organization and i know that he was here last year and he's going to be back he's going to be the punter again you can't believe they're brimming with confidence on dropping back the punt if they can't even find a roster spot for mr sipas and i know how he likes kind of like nick likes that competitive advantage Ooh, who am I going to call up from the practice squad? The unknown. No, we know what Sippus is, and uh, it's not going to be great, which just gives them that much more onus to go for it on fourth down. 
And yeah, I think John's got an easy winner there at over one and a half for tush pushes for Jalen Hurts in the opener. All right, coming up next, Adam Kaufman from iHeartRadio, sports director up in Boston and host of the Gambler podcast. We'll run uh, an under over or two by him. Adam Kaufman from Boston joins us next here on Birds 365. passionately go fearlessly go confidently go Go confidently towards your goals with first trust philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the philadelphia eagles we're focused on getting you over the goal line so go with conviction go with trust and go forward with us by your side first trust bank the official bank of philadelphia dreams oh and go birds fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles You got Maga Mac, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald here with you on Birds 365. We're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at the Eagles opponent this weekend. That would be in New England against the Patriots. Guy who comes from day in, day out for iHeartRadio up there in Boston, WBZ, and host of the Gambler. My buddy Adam Kaufman joins us here on uh, Bird 365. What do you say, AK? Well, I think you're muted, Adam. There we go. I got it. I'm fixed. There Good. we go. I, I was I was screaming with exuberance that football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, are they screaming with exuberance in the Boston area about this Patriots team, Adam? Uh, no, I mean, not to the degree that, you know, we used to back in the, in the day for two decades with Tom Brady under center and you took the, you know, even just getting to the AFC championship game as a foregone conclusion. It was, you know, Super Bowl bus basically every single year. Although what I will say is that I, I do think people are sleeping on the Patriots to, to this degree. They have the potential to be a playoff team. They could sneak in as a wild card team. They are not necessarily going to be the, you know, dead last in the AFC East as everyone would presume them to be on paper because I just think that they've improved in some key areas. Most notably, they actually have an offensive coordinator running the offense. Imagine that. So I think Novel gonna, idea. That's yes, a good one. I know. I, I think we're going to see some strides from Mac Jones under Bill O'Brien. I think he's got some you know, decent pieces around him, not great, but decent pieces. And I just think that, you know, like DraftKings is as low as I've seen the, the over under for this team, the win total of six and a half. That to me is Ooh. just utterly. I'm, I'm going over. I'm this going over. Back? Whoa, okay. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, mm. you have to go over six and a half. Like Bill Belichick coached a Cam Newton led team to seven wins. You're going to tell me yeah. this team can't win seven. What not? It, it, Adam, real quick before you jump in, Jody, because I always thought, and I was woefully wrong on this, when the Eagles won Super Bowl 52 over the Mm. Patriots, obviously, I'm like, all right, you know, we're in this town. Lifetime dispensation for Doug Peterson. I was (laughs) wrong. It took three years, and he's out of town. Now, Bill Belichick, I look at that from the outside, and I'm like, all right, this guy can do whatever he wants. I don't give a rat's ass. Where are the Patriots fans when it comes to Bill Belichick? Is there that sort of groundswell of he can't win without Tom Brady? This is the greatest coach of all time. I opened the Mm -hmm. show saying this. Where are Patriots fans with Bill Belichick? So, uh, I mean, I couldn't give you percentages, but I will tell you there's certainly still a segment of Patriots fans, and it's not small, that is, you know, hashtag in Bill we trust. You know, that's something that's been said around here for a long time. You know, Bill can do no wrong kind of thing. Even when he does, Bill can do no wrong. Uh, But then there there are absolutely people that, uh, if you will, chose Tom Brady in the divorce. And so when when those two went their separate ways, especially when Brady won right away in Tampa and had two very productive seasons for that club, you know, there are people that just are very down on Bill Belichick, ready to to move on. They they look at it. They say this he's he's a 500 coach without Tom Brady. He hasn't won a playoff game since Brady left. They've only been to the playoffs one time. You know, Bill, the GM year after year is screwing Bill, the head coach, and they're they're ready for a change. And so it's I would say neither side is unanimous by any stretch, but, you know, both are are pretty vocal. And uh, I, I think in part because, you know, you have at, at owners meetings every single offseason, these kind of subtle suggestive digs from owner Robert Kraft saying that, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this. I expect us to win. And people are like, I'm not, I don't subscribe to the belief that Bill Belichick is, is on the hot seat per se, but there's only so much longer what has been happening for the last few years can continue before Kraft would feel compelled to make a change. No, that's thank you for going there. Uh, exactly. The question I was going to ask the, the one Patriot fan who can't, counts more than anybody else mr Kraft, what does he think and 
You're saying he's dropping hints. He's not dropping bombs, but he's dropping hints, which mm. makes this a very intriguing season for the Patriots. I, judging from afar, you're there, we're not, but I'm checking the secondary ticket market and the price for this game is still outrageously high. And I make that because not of the groundswell of we're going back to the Super Bowl of Patriot fans, but yeah, TB12 is coming back and we're going to honor him and the like. So the Patriots yeah. are not giving up, the fans are not giving up their tickets. Those that are selling them are selling them for an outrageous markup. What's the what's it going to be like in the stadium when the game kicks off on Sunday on Brady well, Day? <laughs> to your point, uh, the it, it's outrageous because people are hoping that Brady comes out at halftime and is under center, <laughs> <laughs> agrees to a contract after Mac Jones struggles or something like that. So, yeah, I mean this this is going to be one of what Kraft has you know kind of promised will be many Brady like celebrations taking part uh, or, or taking place over the course of the year so i i think that it's I, I personally not that my opinion matters i wouldn't have done it i i don't like the idea of honoring him opening weekend for a you know a, a 425 game when you're hosting the defending nfc champs you're not even you know national prime time you're you're underdogs obviously i i, I think they're just trying to capitalize on on hey brady retired we're we're starting this thing right away. You know, we've we've got him first. He played in a couple of different places, but he's forever a patriot. He's going to be here sitting right next to Kraft in the owner's box opening day. It's just I don't know if you're if you're going to do it and obviously you're going to do it, wouldn't you rather do it when when you're the Monday night game or the Sunday night game, you know, all eyes on you and all the broadcast crews can be you know, fixated and we can be making over-under jokes about number of times that Kraft and Brady are shown together and all of that. Instead, it's, you know, it just feels like it's going to kind of blend into week one like you're watching Red Zone or something like that. And I I don't know. It's it's a weird decision. But again, it, it it's also not a time that you need to jack up the prices and and get everyone all all extra amped. You know, you do that for a like a Texans game midseason, right? It, it's the Eagles. It's opening yeah. weekend. Like they're going to sell out. People are going to be there yeah. anyway. You don't yeah. need Brady to go over the top with that. Yeah, and he probably want you know a homecoming game too. You probably want to win the game, so it'd be better to to, be nice. to wait for the Texans, uh, the yeah. so called college homecoming environment. But mm -hmm. uh, on the field, Adam. Uh, what do you like about this team? What do you dislike? What do you what do you say? All right, this this team's really good here, and and they got some issues here. So, well, they definitely have some issues on the offensive line, and keeping Mac Jones safe, and uh, you know, providing a, a a steady blocking force in the run game for Andre Stevenson, Ezekiel Elliott, who's here as well now. You know, it's going to be a little extra challenging. I still think Stevenson's going to have himself a very good year, and I think Elliott is going to be more than a complimentary piece. I think his addition is has been a little bit unsung to this point. But as far as um, you know, I, I'm concerned about the the defense. I just think that you know, even last year when they were whatever top five or in in DVOA, and and they they they're just a defense that that when I say historically, I mean in recent years, you know, measures up 
statistically, but when push comes to shove on the field, they don't generally get the job done, especially against the elite teams and elite quarterbacks. I mean, they've been torched all over the place by teams like the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Sounds mobile. familiar. That's what Eagles fans say yeah. about their defense. Yeah, I mean, mobile quarterbacks get them, you know, it, it feels like every time out, which is obviously a concern with Jalen Hurts coming in for week one. So I, I think that it's, as as we like to say sometimes, like the, the saying paper champs, you know, I think that defense is – uh, kind of resembles that statistically really good, but not always really good in actuality to the eye test on the field. I, I will say the offense I'm encouraged by. I, I think that Mac Jones, again, is going to be much closer to what he was as a rookie when he was a pro bowler, at least de facto pro bowler after enough guys said no, as compared <laughs> to what he was last year when he was terrible and benched for Bailey Zappi. And again, you now have an, an offensive coordinator running the offense as opposed to a defensive coach and a special teams coach running the offense. I would still, I, I'd feel a lot better if they had actually uh, gone out and signed DeAndre Hopkins, been willing to pay him and had a, a legitimate number one wide receiver. I don't think they have that. You know, I'm, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to scare anybody, and and some of the complimentary pieces around him, or you know whether it's Devonte Parker or Kendrick Bourne, or you know, they're just like a bunch of rookies. Tyquan Thornton when he's healthy, like these are these are not those those names that you're chasing in your fantasy drafts. I do think the tight ends are going to be very good. I think Hunter Henry is getting a bit undervalued, and I think Mike Kosicki, if healthy, is going to do well here. So I think the offense has pieces, but. Uh, again, we're talking about a team that's good enough to, you know, probably at, at its ceiling win 10, 11 games and be a wild card team. Give we're, me a read you know, we're on not about a contender. Give me a read on one of your players because I thought he was a guy that the Eagles might have taken a flyer on where where he was picked in the draft. They they didn't address wide receiver at all in this past year's draft, and I was surprised that Keishon Boutte dropped down mm-hmm. to the sixth round. I thought he was an early day three pick and he's still sitting there in the six and the Patriots uh, picked him up. Uh, I liked him at LSU. I thought he was a nice little player who got better over time down there on the Bayou. Uh, did he show anything in preseason? I know he made the team. I got to do that mm-hmm. first when you're a sixth round pick, but has he got a chance to contribute at all here week one? What he shown preseason? So I don't know about week one, but yeah, Butte, Pop Douglas, another rookie, you know, Demario Douglas, these two guys have been immensely popular in, in camp and preseason uh, among fans, you know, among, among the local media, you know, who, who are down there on a daily basis covering training camp. These are guys that you are hearing about on a regular basis, uh, especially again, I think with the lack of depth at the wide receiver positions, why they're, they're carrying as many as they are going into the season, including some of these rookies. Now it's, it's important to remember, Remember, uh, if if you know, like Patriots fans will remind you of this all the time. Uh, this is not a position that historically Bill Belichick has drafted well at uh, by any stretch. Boy, yeah. uh, you know, like that's fair. Like Julian Edelman was, you know, was a, a sixth, seventh rounder, whatever. You know, he he wasn't th- this this top tier talent. Now he grew into a, uh, a, a, as I would say, a borderline Hall of Famer, a a very impressive player. But obviously, uh, they've they've not. Anytime they've had an opportunity to draft really well at the wide receiver position, it seems like they've, uh, you know, no pun intended, dropped the ball at that. Uh, you know, you, you think back a couple of years ago to passing on the likes of uh, of, of DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel and and all of these guys that that came after them taking the uh, the what's his name that's that's bouncing around with the Bears now, whose name I, I 
it is slipping me because it, it, he made that little an impression here. So, uh, yeah, Douglas. Harry. What's that? Sorry, Nikhil <laughs> Harry. Nikhil Harry, thank you very oh, much. Yeah, uh, and, and, and thank you, and also, how dare you for putting, <laughs> for putting, that, for putting that name back in my head because now it's going to be there for the rest of the day. Uh, yeah, Boot Tape made an impression. Absolutely, Douglas made an impression. We'll see if any of these guys can do it when it counts. Um, a name in my head because he's here um, and he was there is Matt Patricia, mm-hmm. Adam. So uh, you mentioned him a little bit uh, when you're talking about uh, the offensive coordinator. <laughs> who technically I, – I don't know what Matt's title was there. He wasn't the offensive coordinator, but he was calling them the plays, which was weird. Right. I I think they called him the offensive line coach, but you would know better than me. Um, what the hell went on there, and why the divorce? I mean, obviously Bill values Matt uh, because I don't know what he's doing here. So it's interesting – the disconnect. I don't know anything about Matt Patricia. What went on? So I've been very careful to refer to Patricia the way I have because, you know, I think that Eagles fans should be happy, if not excited, that he's there. You know, you shouldn't look at Patricia for what he did last year, nor should you look at him for his tenure with the Lions as head coach. You should look at him for what made him so successful in the years in New England that he was, because that's why he's there with you now, which is to play a role in running the defense. That's his specialty. That's that's what he excels at. He is a very, very good defensive coach. He is an elite uh, mind, NFL, you know, football mind. He's he's a I mean, he's a, a rocket scientist and literally for Christ's sake. So he's he's a very smart guy. It's just, you know, Bill Belichick put him in a position to fail. You know, I, I, Belichick looked at it and Belichick, you know, reveres Matt Patricia. He is a friend and, and Belichick, you know, if you, you look back through the years, he has never hesitated to bring his buddies back in to, to have a role on, on that team. Two of his sons are on the, are on the coaching staff. And, and I'm not even saying that's necessarily nepotism because they, they seem to have done well, but it's obviously it, it, it screams that whether or not it is, you know what I mean? And that's, that's existed with McDaniels, with O'Brien, with Patricia, with judge, with, you know, so many guys over the years that have left and come back uh, pretty much everybody other than Eric Mangini, uh, who, you know, obviously told on him for Spygate. So <laughs> there are, uh, you know, I, I just think with last year, Bill in a, in a very, it's fascinating because he is, he's such a, a brilliant coach as we have acknowledged, but I think he kind of looked at it in a, in a somewhat arrogant way and said, you know, football, you know, football, you know, you, you know, defense, you know, offense, you know, special, like if, if you, if you can do one thing, you can do all of it. If you're put in the, the right position with the, with the right people around you and, uh, you, it, it's like coaching up a coach, the way we talk about coaching up players. I think he looked at Matt Patricia's. Yeah, he can do it. Why couldn't he do it? I'm going to show you, he can do it. And I'm going to look great for it. And instead it went the other way. It was a disaster from day one. Everyone knew in training camp, it was going to be a disaster and it was arguably worse. All right. Uh, we have some concerns here in Philadelphia about the kicking game. The fact that they don't have a punter on the roster right now would be example. Number one. They will by the time Sunday rolls around. Uh, but we're confident in the captain of the special teams, Jake Elliott, a kicker. The Patriots going with a rookie as kicker, a drafted rookie. So they really love the kid from Maryland that they took. <clears throat> but they traded Nick Folk, who's a good, solid NFL kicker, 
bunch of teams wish they had Nick Falk right now, and they did get a draft pick by trading him this week. Is that another area where Coach uh, Belichick will be questioned if this guy misses a big field goal come Sunday? So if uh, I'm, I'm glad you couched it that way, if he comes in and stinks or or has some you know initial few week growing pains. Absolutely, it'll be second guess because Nick Falk was incredibly reliable in his time in New England. I mean, he was. Yep. It, it's it's kind of amazing what they've been able to do at the kicker position in the in the entire tenure of Bill Belichick. Yes, there have been a couple of you know game here, game there exceptions, but generally speaking, they've had three kickers ever. It's gone <laughs> from Vinatieri to Goskowski to Falk, and all three. Very reliable, you know, Goskowski toward the end, a, a little bit less so, which is why he was gone. But Nick Falk, the reason that I was surprised that they moved on from him, and, and it wasn't a, a total shock because we've just, we've seen this from Bill when it comes to special teams, especially at the punter position, you know, they'll, they'll have a guy that he'll be like a, a pro bowler and you'll think that, <laughs> well, that, that position's figured out and then he'll draft a guy and, and, you know, cut the established guy and move on to the to the cheaper guy and and again whether it's specifically about saving money or whether he just believes that's a position you should turn over every few years honestly I'm not sure but Falk was uh, again he he was just a sure thing I mean he was arguably their best player last year uh so I was I was surprised to see them move on hopefully it it works out because we know how uh, important the kicking game is, especially when, you know, coming down to uh, the the final few minutes and, and you need a big kick. You don't want a guy who's going to be afraid of the moment. Folks pushing 40 years old. Guy's been around forever and still getting the job done well. So I think that he'll continue to thrive for at least another year or two. And the Patriots are on to their fourth guy. Uh, all right. Since Jody went there, Adam, I'm going to continue because special teams on paper looks like the one issue for the Eagles, everything besides Jake Elliott, who's a heck of a place kicker. But uh, one, I, I have to ask you about the punter in New England because they have a rookie there, uh, Bryce Barringer. Is he left footed? That's number one, because I always think about Bill Belichick and, and left footed punters. He's got this mentality that the ball comes off the foot weird and he gets one or two turnovers a year. That's always been. So that's number one because the Eagles don't have a punt returner. So could this be an issue? Are the Patriots still good on special teams? I love Marcus Jones. Yeah. Mar Marcus Jones. Absolutely. Absolutely. is a good talent. As far as the, uh, the right foot, left foot, honestly, I'm, I, I just don't recall. You're right about the left footed punters that, and Bill Belichick's kind of uh, affection for them. Uh, and I, I could look it up quick while we're talking, if you'd like. But the um, a, a, as far as sort of the impression this kid has made in camp, it's funny. For There was a, about a week stretch where you're seeing beat writers coming out of camp just infatuated, legitimately looking forward to opportunities, at least in, in preseason games, maybe not so much now when, when these games matter. But in preseason games, looking forward to the Patriots have to ha having to – uh, you know, fail on offense and punt the ball away because this kid was just <laughs> such a spectacle. I mean, literally like booming it, you know, ne never mind 60 plus yards, but but the height of these punts was, was something that was uh, getting a lot of people's attention in Foxborough. It was like this. This guy's going to hit it as, as high as he is far. I mean, what it's 
like get your popcorn ready. This is this is not the the bathroom break when the Patriots are punting the ball away. This is the showstopper right here. So I, I think that some of that is going to dial back in the regular season because you know we're going to be uh, sitting there too busy being critical of the offense if they're punting every time. But uh, yeah, it's this this kid is is getting some attention going into the season. I Adam, some guys. Who was it? Who you've quoted a couple times now on uh, the show here, John from ESPN. Which of their football analysts? Uh, Dan Dan Orlovsky. Orlovsky uh, is prognosticating that the Patriots will outdo the uh, averages in the National Football League when it comes to run pass ratio. The league is 55, 45, whatever the number is, that the Patriots are going to be heavier than that, more like 60, 40, or even uh, maybe a tick or two up from that. How much do you think there is that? Uh, they've got Ramondre Saban. they got Ezekiel Elliott. They don't have a ton of talent on the outside. If they can run the football effectively, will they try and take the air out of the football and shorten the game by running maybe more than anybody else in the National Football League? Well, I, I definitely wouldn't say more than anybody else. I don't think you're you're going to see this Patriots team rank in the in the top five in in rushing this season. But will no, they I'm talking about percentage of plays, not not necessarily sure. the effect this effectiveness okay. thereof, but the percentage of run to pass. I guess what I would say to that is to a certain degree, especially under someone like Bill Belichick, that kind of goes hand in hand, right? Like if you're if you're doing something and you're not successful at it, you're, you're going to try something else. Uh, you know, I think some of those teams that that have nothing else, you know, have no choice but to run the ball because they don't trust their quarterback to be any more than a, a game manager at best. Then that's just kind of the way that you know, you, you have to be, or if you're a team that, you know, like the bears that, that you can be just as successful when you have the quarterback running the ball, uh, as opposed to passing the ball, then yeah, you're going to be run heavy. Like no one's going to confuse Mac Jones for, uh, someone who is fleet foot, maybe a little bit more so than, than, uh, that predecessor that's going to be in attendance, Tom Brady, but you know, he is not a, uh, a guy who's regularly going to be scrambling and picking up yards on the ground and, and rushing for a, a half dozen scores, even like Cam Newton did when he was here in that one year. So uh, I think that, you know, they're, they're going to run the ball at least out of the gate a, a fair amount. So long as they get the protection from the offensive line to, you know, they get the room to run and Stevenson and Elliott can complement each other and be healthy. But at some point in time, you know, guys do, wear down uh, you know let's not forget what happened at, at the end of last year there were a couple of games the Patriots absolutely could have won if not for the fact that Ramondre Stevenson I'm not putting putting the losses on Stevenson but you know he was your most dynamic weapon he was the guy that you know you turn to if you needed to play him and Jacoby Myers anyway to move the chains and Stevenson was visibly worn down i think that was you know a large part of the motivation to go out and get a not just a, another back a, another veteran back like in elliot fournette was here i think they kicked the tires on on dalvin cook you know daryl henderson uh there, there are a couple other guys that came in as well and i think elliot was a good choice i think that you know, there'll be not not quite a one-two punch. I think that Stevenson is still going to have the lion's share of the load. And you might see Elliott uh, a little bit more active in what we call around here that James White role, that pass catching back, you know, on, on third down. But I, I still think that Mac Jones, despite the lack of a true number one, as we talked about before, I, I think they're going to pass the ball a fair amount. So I, I wouldn't say it'll be over the top uh, as far as the disparity. Uh, at Adam M., 
Kaufman. Make sure you follow Adam on X, no longer Twitter, but you can go to twitter.com as well. iHeartRadio in Boston does a tremendous job up there. Um, last one for me, Adam, is if the Patriots win this game, give me the path. How do they win this game? How can they win this game? Oh, God. Uh, I think if the Patriots win this game, it's it's going to be a credit to the emotion in the building. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of a, a lame answer, but I think that, you know. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady has a, a, a knack of obviously uh, getting people excited. You know, don't be don't be surprised either if it's, you know, if it's not just Brady, like, I don't know, maybe Edelman's in attendance, maybe Gronkowski's in attendance. Maybe, yeah. maybe they, you know, maybe like, maybe it just gets that, that crazy to kind of rev it up, or maybe they wouldn't do that to, to pull any attention away from Tom. I don't know. But the point is, I think that place is just going to be absolutely amped. And if they can get an early score and go ahead, you know, I, I think there's going to be a little extra oomph, exuberance, confidence, whatever in the building. And Sometimes in the NFL, that's all it takes. You know, do I think the the Patriots are are going to, you know, blow out the Eagles? By no means. Do I think they'll get blown out? I really don't. I think it's going to be a close game. I do think it's a, a winnable game for New England. But, you know, if, if, if you force me to bet on it, I'd, I would probably take the Eagles with the points. Yeah, see, that's where I was going. I was going to say, I need to talk to Adam Kaufman, the gambler. Hmm. Opened at three and a half, has ticked up to four. And you say, oh, it's only a half point. But it's kind of a key half point. I know you understand mm-hmm. when I say that. That's a key half point to move between three and a half and four. Adam Kaufman, the gambler, is going to take the Eagles and give the four points, right? Yeah. I mean, four is – let's not forget. I, I do believe the Patriots are better, absolutely better than they were last year. But they're still not elite, and you're facing the – cream of the crop or one of them anyway in not only the nfc but the entire nfl team that was just in the super bowl and and returned all of its important people so i i think at least you know in terms of the the skill players anyway so i i think that you know four even on the road probably isn't a whole lot to ask of the eagles all right, uh, follow him on X. John always says X. I still. I'm going to keep calling it Twitter, guys. Yeah, I'm be good on there. you. Don't do don't well, be dictated do to by the guy who owns it. He got enough money. You know you can do with his money. Adam M. Kaufman. That's with the M in the middle. Uh, you can catch him on iHeartRadio, WBZ up in Boston when you're in the area. Thank you very much for jumping in with us. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll talk to you down the road, bud. Look forward to it, fellas. Thanks, Adam. Adam. Adam Kaufman from WBZ in Boston giving us the Patriot perspective for the big matchup coming up on Sunday. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. Mac and Mac Birds 365. We will come back. We will put a bow on the show. Stay with us.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save in Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. this pretty damn quickly because Johnny's got to run over and get to South Philly uh, because Eagles move practice time and media availability up a little bit. But I want to ask you one question before I let you go, John. And thanks to Adam Kaufman. He's a good friend. He's been coming to my show for years. I go on his show in Boston. Good dude. Brings good insight. But he said one thing today that I just shook my head when he said it. See if you said that. Was there anything that Adam said where you go, really? Because there was one for me today. Um, well, I, I thought he was higher on the offense than the defense, which is bizarre to me. Um, because I think their defense is pretty good. And I'm like, I look at that offense and I say, where, where are the playmakers? Um, but that's playmaker, uh, the playmaker is going to be Bill O'Brien. If, if there is one, he, yeah. he, the elevation of an actual they're, offense, they're, court, they're biggest, the biggest they're, offseason addition to their offense. Their biggest playmaker, uh, might be Marcus Jones. Who's a defensive playmaker. Um, who I love. And I was hoping Adam would say, how did the Patriots win this game? Special teams, man. Mm-hmm. This so this guy's first team all pro. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, first team all pro uh, returner last year. Uh, I believe you might remember. Uh, I believe it was against the Jets. Oh, stuck they, into the Jets. Absolutely. Yeah. Put back uh, a punt. The Jets yeah. had the Patriots uh, beat, and yeah. he took one back. 
Um, he is a great player. Um, and you know, the Eagles don't have anybody covering kicks, never mind the punter. Um, they just lost the game because of the punter covering. And now you got the best punter. He's a hell of a lot better than Kadarius Tony. I'll tell you that. So in a close game, uh, just throwing it out there. A little bit scary. You're right on that. No, what jumped out to me was they're going to use Ezekiel Elliott as the Mike White type back. Hello, oh, Ezekiel yeah. Elliott had 17 catches last year for under 100 yards. At yeah. one point, he wasn't a bad out of the backfield guy, yeah, but you got to go back to 2018 yeah. to get that out of Ezekiel Elliott. That's not his forte. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know we got to go, so you're not got time to look it up. But I'm just asking you off your top top of your head if you remember the PFF ranking. I'm not going to make it. We got time. I'm not going to make it anyway. So okay. I always thought that Ezekiel Elliott was one of the best blocking backs in the National Football. Yeah, he was yeah, picking he was. up the blitz yeah. and or and almost nobody yeah. runs too tremendous tough yeah, anymore. He was great but... all around. He was great all around back. He was good, as you mentioned. He was a good receiver as well earlier in his career. Uh, he's a great pass protector. Yeah, he was. And I, th- he, I think he's still a very good pass protector. Maybe not as good as he once was, but still very good. I don't think you want him flashing out of the backfield. No, in in the passing game, I don't think that's his strength. I no. If that's the case, that means you don't have anybody else who can do it on a team. Well, they don't because they only have. I I believe they only have two running backs on their fifty three to begin with. So it's Stevenson and Elliott. Um. And, you know, they might elevate somebody. Um, Ty Montgomery, we brought up yesterday. He's a receiver. Maybe they elevate him. Uh, so maybe they do it that way. But, yeah, they only have two backs on their roster. Um, so it's yeah. got to be Stevenson and Elliott. And you still think the Eagles are going to activate all four on Sunday? Activate. Uh, all four uh, of their I, running backs. As of now, yes. I mean, I mean it's 9.56. Ask me this tomorrow because I'll know if they're going to elevate Aaron Cepas or not to, uh, by tomorrow's show. Uh, because if they don't but sign it doesn't matter, does it, John? they got to add a punter, whether it's him being elevated. Yeah, or but it's different. It, it, if they sign a punter, they can elevate two people mm. from the practice squad. If they can't, they have to elevate a punter. So we know Cepas has to be elevated, and that limits – what you can do with the elevations on the practice squad, everything sort of fits together. So running back wise, um, it becomes easier to elevate. It becomes easier to, to activate all four. If you could, if you don't need the punter, cause you can manipulate other positions with the two elevations instead of wasting one on a punter is what. Right. But long... somebody's got to go. If you sign a punter from outside the organization, right? Yeah, and I assume that would be – I assume it's going to be Grant Calcaterra um, because they don't need four tight ends. Um, they're not going to cut a running back, if that's what you're saying. Um, no, I'm just thinking – I'm talking about the game day roster. Like, I know I'm the only one, but not – you get it, but nobody cares about special teams. I'm like, who the hell's going to cover a kick with – I just brought up Marcus Jones is on the other team. One of the best in the game. Now, you you might be winning by three touchdowns, so it might not matter. But you can imagine if it's 17-14 or 23-20 in the fourth quarter 
and all of a sudden you got to punt the football with Aaron Seaposs to Marcus Jones. And hey, Josh Job and Kalei Ringo, go cover Marcus Jones. That's how you lose a football game, Jody. A little dicey if it is a one-score game in the fourth quarter. You are dead-on accurate about that, Johnny Mac. All right, uh, get your butt over to the South Philly. Um, we'll be here again tomorrow. Who we got joining us tomorrow? I should know off the top. Of oh, my head. boy. Les Bowen, I believe. LB, early. early on. I forgot about Les Bowen. Yes, he will be here with us tomorrow, uh, and we'll work up another guest for you. Johnny Mac, good show today. I say you and I do this again tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. Let's do it. You get Mac and Mac right back here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.